0: nightcaps of the living dead
1: what happens in the faculty lounge dot dot dot
0: everyone, we are recording another episode from fabulous Palm Springs, California, where G and I went on a hike of horrors today. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh my God. So we went with, you know, with the best of intentions of hiking this mountain that overlooks Palm Springs. It's right
0: behind the museum where it's, the Forever Maryland statue yes. is. Yes.
1: And it was perfect weather and it was shady as fuck like Mm -hmm. there was shade and not that intensive sun that you can get we have our water
0: bottles we are just best intentions of enjoying nature (laughs) and
1: so we start trekking up that hill and all of a sudden we just like see this creature this mythical creature he
0: had a really good eye he saw this ram this big sheep bighorn sheep
1: bighorn sheep yes
0: she saw this bighorn sheep just staring at us, and he was blending in so he camouflaged with the rocks and the mountain. I mean, I know you see this in books. But to see it in real life, I just saw the little horns, and it was a really jarring sight. But he was a big boy, and he was staring at us. And yes. We're like, and he, well, at first he
1: was staring ahead, and then he did like a Michael Myers head turn. Yeah. And, and like looked right at us, and we're like, abort the uh, hike. We're, gonna, we're just kind of
0: backing away slowly, and it's just too much steady eye contact with an animal for my liking. Yes. And, and he's just, he's big. And then I read that they can chase after you at 30 miles per hour. Yep. They can go that fast.
1: Yep. And we're like, fuck this. Nope. And we turn around and then the horror gets <laughs> even worse.
0: Well, I told you, I said, Well, it's one, it's one guy. He's like, No, I it's one too many. And I'm thinking I said, Okay, if we see another one, we shouldn't venture any further. So we just turn to go to a different direction. Kid you not, there are fifteen how far away were they? They were really. They were like close. at the bottom
1: of the hill and they were like, that we had oh, just began climbing. Yeah. And
0: we're just like, Okay, we're gonna get chased by a fleet of rams it (laughs) was
1: it was wow it was like we the invasion of the rams and then one was was an albino
0: i saw a white one and we took pictures and we were counting this there were 15 of them
1: and then they like they lurk but we know they can move fast like you said so they were like tiptoeing our way down the hill we're like abort the hike we're gone we're We're going to the car we're going to a different hike so yeah we we went up (laughs) another mountain and
0: (laughs) less nature there some ants we can handle some ants Um, Also, we are coming to you with a 90s classic.
1: Yes, and it's also its 25th anniversary. Happy
0: anniversary!
1: We are talking about Robert Rodriguez's cult classic, the 1998 horror sci-fi comedy, The The Faculty. Faculty. Written by none other than Kevin Williamson, who is known for, of course, having written Scream and a TV series Dawson's Creek and Vampire Diaries. He's a fabulous gay screenwriter.
0: He's legendary, and but, but and also Robert Rodriguez. It, I totally forgot that he directed this, and this is a very underrated film. It is not a deep film. It's not even that good of a film, but it's a fun film. You go back here, you watch it. We were cracking up. We got to watch it together, and we were just dying because there are some lines of dialogue that were so brilliant and witty, and then others that it was just showgirls camp. <laughs> yes. Super camp. Well,
1: it, it, it really shows that at the time Miramax, they mentioned the Warnsteins. Mm-hmm. They had this formula they wanted to replicate. They wanted to hit the same thing twice with Scream. Yeah, because so there's no
0: imagination. They're
1: just like, make you know, it scream like, again. Make it scream so we could see like the studio notes like we want this because Scream had this Mm -hmm. and so forth and this is I think Kevin Williamson had done Scream he had done I Know What You Did last summer which was also a huge success I loved it Um, then Scream 2 and then he was working on this Mm. Um, and now we know why Robert Rodriguez directed the Stab the the film within the film in Scream 2 because he was Which working on this at the, the same time. the best part, in my opinion. Yes. This was just awesome.
0: Uh, you know what? Jada was in Scream 2, yes, right? She's okay.
1: watching the Robert Rodriguez tab.
0: There is there is so much meta <laughs> happening. There's so much full circle happening this week because we have Britney's memoir. We have Jada's memoir. I am learning way too much about these people's personal lives without seeking it out. I feel like I've read Britney's entire thing just by... Just clickbait. Like, I feel like I see little blurbs. I'm like, what's happening with you, Britney?
1: So the release of Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman in Me, this past week kind of, you know, put the spotlight on the late 90s, early 2000s, which is when she was at the peak of her career. Mm -hmm. And so coincidentally, um, it is not only the 25th anniversary of the release of The Faculty, it is also the 25th anniversary of the release of Britney Spears' hit single, (laughs) Hit Me Baby One More Time! So they came out like... All literally. I could do is
0: imagine you with like the little fluffy pom-pom <laughs> pigtails with this. Yes.
1: <laughs> and you know, the the very famous music videos, High School Setting. Oh,
0: it was, it was a moment. I mean, this established what it was like to be a teenager in the late
1: 90s. Yes. And so we kind of found out that they were only like I think a few weeks apart the release of the single and the release of this movie so people went to see this movie they were listening to Britney and her in their cars yeah I
0: was a senior in high school when this movie came out
1: yes 1998 people were going back in time
0: and uh, you know what I noticed the most from this movie Mm mm-hmm there are far too many bad bangs in this. And not yes. sexy bangs. I mean, it's a horny movie. It is a very horny movie. <laughs> Everybody is just hot for teacher, hot for the students. The de- there's power dynamics. It's It makes there's, me uncomfortable. And the some things are kind of sexualities
1: hot. within sexualities yeah. for Clea Duval. It's, it's, like, very interesting. Right?
0: Um, but, I mean... The bangs. Every single woman had bangs. We had Betty Page bangs. We had, like, Janine Garofalo bangs. We had um, Josh Hardinette.
1: Check this out, guys. So, notoriously, Josh Hardinette is known for the hair that he had in this movie and in, in Halloween H2O. He looks H2- like oh. a
0: mental patient and yes. he's a hot man and he has a jagged ass haircut. It is so frustrating to look at. So
1: what's hilarious is this is concurrently with Halloween H2O these two movies so Halloween H2O is technically his um, film debut and this is his second movie but they were actually filmed at the same time. So it turns out it was his idea. He went all method and he wanted to say, his whole thing was like, my character cuts his own hair and he's a rebellious teenager and his role in HBO is similar to this role. So he was cutting his own hair for both roles and the producers were pissed. They were so pissed, they almost fired him from both movies. Uh, so they're both, they're horrible. both Dimension Miramax movies, and mm. um, but he prevailed, he won the battle and he got to keep his insane haircut, but... I guess nowadays everyone had a weird haircut in the late '90s.
0: <laughs> the entire cast looked like they were just cutting each other's hair. It, it looked really bad. Like even F- Fonka Jansen, who is a stunning woman, I didn't know which way her hair was going. It was, and they were stringy. Nobody had dry shampoo. It, the hair really threw the me off. Was, in this meeting. And even
1: Piper Laurie's hair, yeah, her, she had was like a, like a whole head. like all if she had curly hair at the beginning and then she had like had like um, a blowout, a blowout, like an '80s blowout and shoulder pads. Yeah. Hmm. It was interesting, so I think this is all Miss Drew Barrymore's fault because oh. Drew Barrymore became so iconic in the opening of Scream, and of course she has the bangs. Oh, that's she true. bangs, she bangs. <laughs> so another late '90s classic, or Alicia's house? Since I don't know, was it? Late 90s well, you're 90s? you're from Puerto Rico, yeah. so you get
0: away with Miss fact
1: misfactwiting <laughs> Ricky Martin. Um, but so yeah, so. And I think even um, in the new Scream, the 2022 Scream, Jen Ortega's character comments about the bad hair in the, in the late 90s. Does she really? Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, that's the girl.
1: Okay. She, she comments on two things. The bad hair. Everyone had weird hair. hair. So that's what she said. Weird yeah. hair. And then the lighting, the movies were overlit. They were too bright. Oh. Which I thought was an interesting yeah. observation. Huh.
0: I think I had bangs at one point. I'm sure I tried out a bangs phase in my life. I just noticed that every single person, male and female, had them. Except for Jon Stewart. But he had a goatee.
1: <laughs> Which is a whole other thing. Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> so,
0: opening this movie, The Offspring, I mean, they just took me back to buying
1: the Offspring CD. These 90s horror movies were known for their hip soundtracks. Yeah,
0: you wanted to go buy the CD. Exactly. You wanted to go to Tower Records. And and I'm
1: like, oh, this is all part of that plan, that right?
0: On. Here's the thing. This cast is bananas. Yes. I forgot. A- we're
1: like, what, this person's in
0: this? It was Rewind. Amazing. John, John Stewart is in this, and Bibi Newworth, Fumke Jansen, um, Robert Patrick, totally. He's the main character for some reason. Gone from my head. So it opens with him. He's doing this Friday Night Lights thing where he's like this very aggressive, roided up and it's football coach.
1: Fucking hilarious. He yeah. flips over the bench. It's you, hilarious. You know,
0: all of my friends know I love a good table flip. Yes, and he <laughs> runs to the bench and just flips, and it's. Oh, it felt good. felt good. The first two minutes of the movie, I'm like, I, I'm kind of on this guy's side. So he's throwing a tantrum in the field because he's just, you know...
1: And reminding us of his T2 days, right? His Terminator 2. He was uh, the T-1000. Yeah. The main villain um, in Terminator 2. Yes. Which is... Another thing that I noticed is that John Stewart's character is named Dr. Edward, Edward Furlong. Furlong. Which is in a reference to T2. Yeah. So I was like, oh, interesting. And
0: I really feel that... Um, Robert Patrick should get some more cred with uh trademarking the stalk run. Most serial killers, like there's the Michael Myers stalk.
1: Yeah. This guy does it's this like Tom the Cruise.
0: The, 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 <laughs> yes. He he comes at you and with such intensity.
1: Which I guess Elijah Wood kind of replicates in that one sequence when he's running out of and then he tells, Oh, you should join the football team, remember? Oh, that's true. Oh, that's kinda cute. I like that. <laughs> that's okay. Cute. So, after this ominous opening where someone has approached Robert Patrick and we fade to black, then we fade into the faculty meeting and the faculty in the faculty meeting lounge. And BB New Earth, who's the principal, is kind of letting out the bad news that the budget is, ain't good and there's no money for our fucking guys and dolls. <laughs> no,
0: Piper Lord. She's Piper like, Laura but, is but, uh-huh. but guys and dolls. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that all the funding must go to the football because that's what's drawing in the crowds and it's American football and it's American culture and this is what they want
0: the athleticism is a cult of its own commentary
1: which Sean Hodesy's character who's the doc mm-hmm. kind of brings this out where like, he gets A's when he doesn't deserve them he wants to be a D student so um, Bebenworth is kind of lamenting the fact that like you know we're slave to the man to the capitalist society and her our hands are tied
0: she doesn't give a shit yeah she's, she's like Fuck the this, all
1: the money goes to sports
0: and the and lounge the is really
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the lounge is really depressing too there's an ac that says don't turn on don't because you know you know kind of sort of works they're not going to replace yes. it but they're cheap and, and they're
1: all like a hot and with weird haircuts um, so that sets up kind of like our faculty, and then they're all leaving. It's like late at night. Like, why are they having a meeting in the middle of the night?
0: And also, for a school that doesn't have a budget, I I had to pause and ask G. I said,
1: uh, What is the this fuck a, are they? <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the school is massive and tri level. I've never been to a, a high school that has more than one floor.
1: And this is supposed to be in Ohio. I don't know if it was Ohio shot in was Ohio. A, but
0: No, it was shot in Austin because of Rodriguez.
1: Ah, but it's supposed to be in Ohio. Okay. That's a like, pretty rad high school.
0: It looked very gothic.
1: Yeah. Mm, I'm like, anyway. Mm. So then BB le- leaves her keys behind, and she's, she's going to go back to her keys from her office, and we have this like creepy sexual harassment scene where Robert Patrick returns and wants a pencil. He's like, will get your pencil. fucking pencil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, she's kind of into it, and then she's like, I don't have time for this. Yes. You're, you're too slow for me. Like, do you want it? No? Okay, I gotta go.
1: And so then we have this really cool, this is like the opening sequence where she's like, she like gets stabbed with the pencil. And he's mm-hmm. like, I've always wanted to do that. And he, she scratches his face mm-hmm. and runs up, and the remarkable trummy score blows up, Malcolm Beltrami was also the composer for the Scream movie mm-hmm. and so this movie has a very much a very similar score and of course this is probably the studio wanting to replicate the success paint by numbers yes. yeah so it felt a little bit annoying I was like uh, and didn't you read that the, some of the score was um, from the Halloween h yes, movie which was remade we also did were the repurposed, score repurposed yeah. yeah there's a lot of repurposing <laughs> Um, and it feels, you feel the influence of Wes Craven in this sequence, I think. Like her running away. I get that it's too. Just a lot of yeah, a very
0: nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, vibes. the
1: shadows. Yeah. And then, of course, she's trying to run away. Everything is locked. Piper is outside trying to help her. And then we have a, a reverse of the Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. The keys, the, the keys. keys. The she keys. has to get her keys because yeah. she left them at the office. Um, and can
0: we talk about, I noticed several times in this film, and this also goes to H2O. At this point in '90s cinema horror, there is a lot of the face-to-face through a glass yes. action happening. They did this
1: in H2O when she yeah, first, when, when Jimmy she Lee Michael, first sees Michael. It's a yeah. very and
0: they use that in the trailer for H2O and for this. There's a lot of talking through doors.
1: Yes, I noticed that too. And also, once she is met, which is really a really good suspense moment, where she in the last minute manages to get out and lock the door back in. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get this, like, here's Johnny shining frame. I was about to say. <laughs> I think
0: it all goes back to, yeah, Jack through the door. So, and huh. so,
1: th- you know, the, in typical meta horror fashion, late 90s fashion, which, of course, was started by Scream, by Wes Craven, um, there's a horror movie reference a minute in this thing, mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, as she turns, we get Piper Laurie giving her best Carrie Mama look it's not only mother from Carrie but it's mother from Psycho as she gets she stops moving to Earth just like Janet Lee in the shower with some scissors so another more movie references right but I think it's kind of fun and I know this is very dated now yeah the other, the, 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 there's constant referencing mm-hmm. and you know appears in the dialogue later on we have Cleo Duval kind of explaining the history of Hot of like
0: Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like she's very on the nose. Just talks about the plot of Body Snatchers, trying to tell the viewer maybe this is going to happen at the end of the movie. It's kind of lazy. Again, we're shitting on this a little bit. It's a really fun watch because of the dialogue and the overacting and I think Robert Rodriguez knew in the future it was going to be wanted, like a pulp he, classic I
1: think he brought the camp to he it. did yeah um, and he understood like I think where Wes Craven brought le- gravitas and like the pain of real loss and horror in the Sydney story mm-hmm. like even though it's a horror comedy mm-hmm. you feel the heaviness of death and that's Wes Craven's ingredient into the with, with kevin williamson's like more comedic it, yeah thing. he comes with the
0: quips and really witty one-liners And i remember at the time when i was a teenager entertainment weekly would have all these reviews saying oh the number one thing that i complain about this is that re- teenagers don't really talk like that and we're like of course we don't want to hear what real teenagers You're have so to say like, yes
1: i mean we have euphoria for that too, yeah right? we want the gilmore <laughs> girls
0: everybody talks like, like david mamet kind of stuff we want yes. that we want and, fast and, and that w- communication and,
1: and that was the style like he of course um, kevin williamson went on to create or i think has it already come out at this point um the hit tv show dawson's creek oh yeah which again the is teenagers all played by 30 year olds sound <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't sound like real teenagers exactly and i that was one question i was gonna have for you when i was watching this this is also when we were teenagers mm-hmm. when you watch this this is not what our lives were like this is clearly a fantasy oh, yeah. escape even now formalist. it's just really
0: fun it's just a different world and and i that kevin williamson world is very cozy and comforting and just not realistic in any way i even saw a clip on instagram somebody uh put oh my god dawson's creek didn't have budget for snow and they <laughs> zoomed in on pacey just walking around these white sheets on the set <laughs> 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 it's just a strange world it's kind of half-assed
1: which is awesome, and I think that's that's what was, that was what the culture was like, yeah. right? It was, a, and
0: everybody uh, exited through a window. Yes, <laughs> didn't know one person <laughs> in my entire life to do that, but in *Scream*, *Dawson's Creek*, and in this movie, everybody is like coming in and out of windows.
1: You know what started it? It's a reference to *Nightmare on Elm Street* because it was Johnny Depp, the first guy who crawled oh. through a window. Oh,
0: interesting! And
1: that created the trope. And I think on Toby yeah.
0: Hauser, his best friend
1: oh that's right yes I remember the pilot and yeah. everything yes huh. and then we get the title card the faculty very
0: s- 90s satanic
1: font um, and of course we have these crane shot establishing the high school setting again they could have carbon copied that from Scream as well mm-hmm. um, bad course. boy
0: bad boy Josh Hartnett swings into the parking lot with yeah. his muscle car ooh <laughs> baby's here
1: <laughs> and then fucking Elijah Wood is in this movie we're like whoa we squealed
0: we went oh Baby, he's so itty-bitty. He's I little know. in this. And he plays the Anthony Michael Hall nerd character in this whole Motley Breakfast Club. And um, also during this movie is when he got wind of the Lord of the Rings audition.
1: Yes. That's what I heard, too. He
0: was cultivating that Frodo energy.
1: Um, and, of course, he had been a child star. He had been in, what is it, The Good Son and all those and, child uh, movies. The War. The War.
0: With Kevin Costner.
1: Um so yeah, we get introduced to the to the to the kids with like title cards of their names, which I thought was very MTV and weird. <laughs>
0: and their names <laughs> like, okay. are so. I, like, this is why I don't feel like Kevin Williamson really wrote a lot of it, or he, he What you and okay, I discussed, yes. he so, doctored
1: the script. So yes, that well, um, the studio. Um, Had bought this screenplay written by these two guys. They brought Kevin Williamson in, and and they wanted him to direct it. It was going to be his directorial debut. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Come on, take the script, rewrite it, make it your own, make it, make it scream, screamify it." and so he did he took the screenplay he rewrote it but he was more interested in directing the screenplay that he had just written which is Teaching Mrs. Tingle," which was originally titled Killing Mrs. Stingle but because you know high school shootings were starting to happen at the time mm-hmm. the word killing was deemed a little too strong and they really wanted the movie to be PG-13 yeah. um, and this movie starts uh, Katie, Katie Holmes. Holmes I remember and that and fucking Helen Mirren Helen like, isn't Mirren. that wild <laughs> I, I, Oscar winner pre-Oscar winner Helen Mirren don't teach or kill or kidnap Miss <laughs> Tingle if
0: it's Helen Mirren. She's a treasure.
1: So I think I know, this is thing this is a Robert Rodriguez thing. The way he introduces the characters with the title cards and all these funky names, and we're like, oh, here is uh, Josh Hartnett as Zeke.
0: I mean, these and names can we can we stop on these? names? Very Beth. It's as if you're writing a script or writing something for the first time, and you're just pulling names out of the air and not off of people you know. You, you saw a movie and you're like Zeke. I want to name this guy Zeke. And the next one is Stokes. Clea Duvall. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Casey is Elijah Wood. And Jordiana Brewster. I forgot. Oh, it was Delilah. Delilah. Do you and know then a Delilah? Beth. Oh, yeah. And Mary Beth. I, I actually did know a Mary Beth, but I'm from Georgia. And her, her bad Southern accent, Ma, I'm Mary Beth, and I'm new here kind of whole thing. I was like... <laughs> oh lord she's Canadian in real life yes. you can tell this accent this is, is. Laura
1: Harris who went on to fame uh, with the TV series "That Like Me.
0: Yeah and she's, she's a great actress but that, that accent is just too much it was kind of fun.
1: Danny Masterson is also pops in this. Oh we paused
0: <laughs> it and went what? This is too timely <laughs> we were watching this too much at the right time. So he is in uh, the boys room he's in the bathroom with Josh Hartnett and we're getting that Josh is such a bad boy and he's selling fake IDs and drugs and and the angel dust, quote unquote, angel dust, is uh, something that he's made and concocted and put in a little bic pen.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of a pre-breaking bad. He is Jesse Zeke. Pickman. <laughs> yes, he's 100%. Jesse Pinkman. I was like, that's awesome. And of course, there's a. What's interesting about the depiction of the high school in this opening, and I think this is a, this is where Robert Rodriguez puts his signature stamp here. It's very heightened and campy and over the top. Like, mm-hmm. like they're bullying the fuck out of Elijah Wood. Like they throw him against a oh, the pole. And they he's punch bleeding. him in the
0: face and. Uh,
1: and, of course, Clea Duvall, who eventually came out as a lesbian, is playing a straight girl who's pretending to be a lesbian, so that people leave her alone. She's, like, masking herself with another sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I notice is that they have this um, moment between Delilah, played by Jordana Brewster, where she sees this Latina goth girl hmm. at the edge of the steps. Do you remember this moment? Oh, yes. Yeah. And. For some reason, I'm like, you know, we're watching this from a 2023 lens. Representation's important. Movies were very white, made by very straight white men for a very, very long time. And here we have little Robert Rodriguez from Mexico making, you know, big commercial movies out of the success of uh, Mariachi and Desperado. And, of mm-hmm. course, Salma Haddock pops yeah, in so later that- on, which we'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a pretty white movie it's a bunch of white kids and white people bunch of white
0: kids and, and then we have Usher and then Usher, we have Usher, Usher
1: but he's kind of relegated to like a background character and he's he deserves his a, character's as a, a dick yeah, yeah. He's, he's not
0: a good guy he's a bully kind of and they advertised him I remember he's like on the poster they're yes. they like this is the film debut of Usher it was a bit it was marketed this was, this he was, was the a, token black guy which is super which is, there offensive was the on the thing
1: in a lot of these movies there was always one black person of course Jeddah Pinkett and Omar Epps comment about this at the beginning of Scream 2 mm-hmm. um, but like in Scream 3 they had the one black guy they put him in the poster and his role is not that big yeah. so it's like oh we're being inclusive a little bit
0: and so in H2O it's
1: LL Cool J yes and then in Halloween Resurrection it's the bust sequel arrives. it's Buster Rhymes. I mean <laughs> so they kept doing this silly thing oh. where it's like we're gonna bring you know African American American pe- actors into this, but they're not giving the meaty parts. They're still relegated to the edges it's of the frame. It's a bunch of studio
0: execs doing coke, and there's something on in the background. They're like, oh, him, Usher, yeah, yeah, that People guy. People are going to uh, see it because you know, right, he's yeah. there. Yeah.
1: So this moment with the uh, Latina goth girl, who's just an extra, is that that's the role that Cleo Duvall plays, and Cleo Duvall, of course, is a white woman. I know she's a queer white woman, and we love her. She's a really great director now. But it's almost like they gave the part that would have been for a person of color... To mm. a white person I see that and and Salma Hayek who's in this movie because of course she's Robert Rodriguez's like muse that Penelope clues to his Pedro mm-hmm. right and so she, but she's playing a character that was clearly written to be a white woman like it's Mrs. Harris so very true there is, and, there's not in the script and this is where I'm going <laughs> to circle
0: back to the horniness of this entire thing so this staff if you have Salma Hayek as a school nurse attendance at that school would be a hundred percent I mean even without her makeup on she's just so pretty and the Jansen yes. Fomker
1: I love me some Fomker so
0: she's stunning but this is where Showgirls comes into it she is so I, she's bad but I think but she's I think, directed to be this yes,
1: bad Yes, so I, my theory and I'm, well, I was going to save this for later but essentially she is known at this point for her role in GoldenEye as Xenia Onatop which is a very over the top Vond um, girl before, villain this is
0: before X-Men huh
1: um, yes, <laughs> this is before. This was, I think, her first movie. I mean, maybe she had done some movies in Sweden no, she, or something. Yeah, but, no, she's done some um, before. Yeah, but she's known for that, and th- I think they wanted her to do the exact same thing here. <laughs> and so I, it's either Robert Rodriguez geeking out. Let's be let's be campy. I think he's bringing in the camp. Yeah. he's like he's not taking this seriously. He's like this is gonna be a fun campy ride. Mm-hmm. So they present her as like you know she does she's like the the meek librarian right mm-hmm. um, the the English teacher and then she turns sexy hot bot and, and <laughs> flirts with Josh Hartnett by the car and the condoms and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And so, and then when she, in the car towards the end, she's basically playing senior on a top from GoldenEye mm-hmm. with her scissor legs. We go back to the faculty lounge where we were introduced to Famke and Salma and John fucking Stewart John in this movie. Stewart. Like, what the hell? I
0: was happy. I was <laughs> just happy to see all these people that work at this high school.
1: It's like, this is the most amazing faculty ever. So this movie's, you know, not only giving us horror movie references, but also like teen, 80s teen comedy references with things like Set, um, Set Almost Fire, Breakfast Club, and Pretty Pink, all those, like, all those angsty teens from the It's giving us 80s. the room
0: to laugh, not to take yes. this too seriously. And it, it gives us that space to laugh and scream because after Piper murders BB with the, the scissors, Piper, who was like a meek little musical theater department... Chair <laughs> comes to the office the next day with a whole queer eye for the straight guy makeover. She has a blowout
1: <laughs> and her, shoulder pads. Her hair is done and, and
0: a steady gaze
1: <laughs> and a fabulous scarf. It's yeah. just a, amazing. She's sexed up. <laughs> Um, and
0: then, and then, uh, Robert Patrick says, "Oh, you look pretty today." Again, sexual tension is at bounds with every, I know, He's everybody. Like sexually harassing
1: everyone. Different
0: planet <laughs> sex. <laughs> so, um,
1: and so, before we move on, of course, just a little quick moment to go back to Laura Harris, who plays this southern, a southern newcomer. Mary Beth, she was giving me, you know, Alice from Nightmare on Elm Street four and five vibes too. with a mix of Laura yeah. Palmer. Yes, yeah, with a very Shirley, very
0: blonde, and a, innocent, but could be
1: I don't know, something course, sinister. Yes, Ex- well, I'm not going to give this away. do do it. Okay.
0: And also to just real re- to reiterate the dynamics of the, these teen peer groups, the high school cliques, Jordana and her boyfriend, the Jock have this really clunky dialogue. It's that very stereotypical varsity blues which hadn't come out yet, but that I don't want your life kind of stuff. He's just like, uh I like I like to read. I'm smart. I'm not just sports. And he's just like sports is what you're good at kind of thing. It's yeah, the really jock clunky. With a little With a
1: brain with a with a, the jock a artistic all of a sudden yeah of a sudden. of kind of the stereotypes. Which is a stereotype in itself yeah. at this time. So the um,
0: the entire point of that is just to establish they have an unhealthy dynamic and they're opportunists. Like she doesn't see who he is. They're unhappy together. They're just
1: and of course by the end of the movie they have different love interests. Right. They're not with the right people. So then we're introduced to um, Elijah and he finds the little sushi peas, the sashimi, in the of the <laughs> he field. He finds the sushi in the field. <laughs> <laughs> little sashimi bite. Um... And Robert Rodriguez uses these dissolves to kind of reflect his loneliness. He's a lonely guy. He has his little camera on his van. Yes, he's like a little James Stewart from Weird Weird (laughs) Window. Yes.
0: He's just walking along the football field alone. And
1: runs the tutorial from Finding Nemo.
0: The Terminator creeps up on him, terrorizes him. He's just like, what are you doing? And Elijah's a little, you know, terrified. He's meek. And they both agree on what I like to say. I don't run unless something's chasing me.
1: Um, and then a quick bit about, you were talking about how some of the dialogue might, might have come from the OG, the screenplay before Kevin Williamson came in or before Robert Rodriguez is both involved. One line that I noticed so it was like, get a fucking eye doc," like when... Um, Cleo Duvall runs into Sean mm, mm-hmm. Um which kind of, you know, of course, eventually they're going to end up falling in love in the movie. But at the beginning, they kind of hate each other because they're from two different worlds. She's a goth girl. She's a lesbian. And he's a jock, And then of course, they change. But I thought that line, which is like, oh, this would not go well today. This is such an ableist oh, thing, oh, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, we have the gems like, get out of here, you gutter slut.
1: <laughs> There's some good burns. <laughs> So, you know, he brought his little snark into it. Um, so after this, we come... And this is a very interesting. We go into this shower scene. Sean Hattos, he's going to have a shower. He just quit the football team, right?
0: Oh, and so this is funny, y'all. Because we were watching this and she went, oh... And I'm, and I'm just thinking, well, okay, gee, I, I know, know it's a white boy in the shower. But, and he's like, oh, no, Nightmare on Elm Street. I went, oh, I thought you were I thought you were getting into it for a different no, reason. No, but
1: it's the Nightmare on Elm Street part two mm-hmm. when the coach who's like an s SN- and into gay S&M goes to that shower. That's what it was reminding me of. But
0: this entire movie has S&M elements in it. Yes. I mean, Fonka and Josh, there is some sub-dom yeah. stuff and oh, all yeah. of their sequences. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's a and different rewatch. But then, once he's in the shower, we have the older professor lady come out, like the putrid carps from The Shining, Mm. and give him a hug. Hug me! They're coming for you! Blah, 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 blah. And And
0: then her scalp falls apart in his hands. Yes. It's just... An ick super moment. gross
1: um then after this we have this like epic um sprinklers robert patrick shot yeah right? and, and
0: that was ingrained in my head from the trailer i remember um whenever um robert patrick standing with his arms crossed just under the sprinklers just getting all that water he's getting hydrated baby these aliens are thirsty bitches
1: okay so one thing that i noticed in the dynamic between jordana and elijah like as their little Romance Their forced develops.
0: love story. Yes,
1: it's very much Gail Weather's Dewey from Scream. Like hmm. here, Kevin Williamson is just like rehashing. Yeah, just the way they talk to, she's like the this. reporter. I'm the editor in chief, and he's like. You know, the, the 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 geeky guy and then they meet in this stall when they because they're the two who know what's up, they witness uh, Samahaya getting potted. Um, so they're looking through the closet's slats and I was like, Oh, this is this is giving me blue velvet vibes when like Kyle McLollan hides in the closet and then here comes Robert Patrick and grabs Sama and he's like, Daddy wants the fuck Like I went there. <laughs> is that crazy? Oh, <laughs>
0: I'm
1: my I'm getting Isabella Rossellini, Dennis Hopper, S and M shit.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh well.
1: And then we get this, like, really hilarious and just another dissolve sequence in the faculty lounge. And, again, the, all the scenes with the faculty are, to me, extremely hilarious. Do you relate think, a little too hard? Yes. You're just burnt <laughs> <Yes>. out, hung over, <laughs> don't give a shit. <laughs> um so is the hydration sequence where they're all like at the water cooler and like downing those little we paper cups we
0: cracked <laughs> we had to rewind it and watch this this is where the fun of the movie really begins so we're watching this and piper comes in with robert patrick and they just go around the water cooler they need to get their water piper just throws water in her face and <laughs> it's just quick fast motion it just killed me so funny. it was
1: so fucking funny
0: and um also what's happening is uh Mary Beth is all up in Clea's shit, by the way. Yes. So she is coming to her like she's a Scientologist a trying to recruit her. Yes. Like, hey, Who are you? You are so complex.
1: And then it's like is she is she exploring her sexuality, is she buys. Bi- is she gonna go for her? But when she's not really gay, so there's this whole thing dynamic and of course She's
0: a little too globby.
1: Yeah. And I and you know, she's giving us her Charlie vibes at this point, right? Mm-hmm. That mixture of innocence and not-so-innocence, right? Bringing it back to Brittany, aren't you? Yes. (laughs) Give me, give me more. Give me more.
0: (laughs) So moving on from the teacher's lounge, we find a teacher that I would vote for teacher of the year is John Stewart, Professor Mm -hmm. Furlong, and he's the bio teacher, and he's studying Elijah Sashimi.
1: Yes. And then they throw the little sushi into the into the aquarium, fish
0: tank. <laughs> <laughs> and then they see that it Has splits.
1: tentacles.
0: In a speci- and in it a species or a splice in yeah, a very splice move. Two little sashimis are swimming around, and John Stewart then puts on his plastic glove and just starts fucking with it in the tank, and it bites him, and a lot of blood is lost in that moment.
1: Oh, and I guess that's the moment where he becomes potted, I guess, later on. Okay. Yeah. I, know, I, I get you, yeah, you. I get you. get it. And it's um, also uh,
0: reminiscent of gremlins.
1: Yes. there's a lot of gremlins. If you put a little water after midnight, you know what happens. Yeah. Um, um. So, yeah, we, we kind of are introduced to the sci-fi elements of the story. There's some E.T. vibes here with the whole, like, dissection thing. Oh, And
0: and then Clea puts her hand on the glass She feels like an alien And she's bonding with the alien Like in this titanic hand motion (laughs) And then we get another cut To this epic swimming pool in the high school And the job decides I'm gonna quit I'm 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 done with athletics I'm gonna be a smart boy And Robert Patrick lets him go
1: He's like Because he's trying to appear as human as possible And he thinks being kind is a human trait
0: We go to the next scene, Elijah, little bless his heart, sweet. Elijah's there getting bullied by Usher, not giving nice dance floor energy at all, Usher. You're being (laughs) mean to Elijah.
1: And yes, and then this is leads into that scene where him and Clea kind of break it down, the history of sci-fi on pod sci-fi, and Clea clarifies that Robert Heinlein's the puppet master is the origin, it's the basis for Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so if Invasion of the Body Snatchers was true, as Elijah's claiming, then they would have to go all the way back to the novel Puppet mess.:
0: As an older person, I was like, wow, this is kind of insulting yeah, to the it's viewer. Like, it's on the nose of we're basing this movie around Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Do you know what happens?
1: <laughs> yes. And this right. is
0: the first time, not the only time, the first time they...
1: And again, it's a screamification. They're, they're and not as, as well done in Scream, right. right? And then, of course, Elijah would have said, well, you know... Instead of like attacking the White House, these aliens are sneaking in through the back door. And so he,
0: G looked at me and just smiled and started dancing with his shoulders because he's addicted to this one song.
1: Yes, by Kim Petras. Hit it from the back. Doo, 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 doo. It goes with
0: the faculty, because it's about anal. Yes. So I'm glad you enjoyed that.
1: (laughs) So at this point, they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, and who's, you know, what's going to happen.
0: And we're getting the dynamics of this teenage group. are changing and shifting. Jordana and Elijah are kind of a little flirty with each other. And then we have the jock and Clea kind of having a moment. Mary Beth is noticing that Clea kind of has a thing for the jock. And And,
1: of course, Mary Beth and Josh Hartnett's bad boy. Yeah. Or like having flirty, flirty, but he's also flirty, flirty. But he's also with Famke. Okay, so they kind of make more sense. It's uncomfortable, but also hot. happening.
0: I want to point out whenever Clea, whenever Mary Beth nudges Clea into the jock and she's kind of awkward and tries to flirt with him because, you know, she says she's trying, she's pretending to be a lesbian as a shield. But mm-hmm. She's really not. Um, uh, the girls in the late nineties all had this weird sexy voice thing. And it was Nev Campbell, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It was Nev Campbell, a little bit of Jennifer Love Hewitt, especially Sarah Michelle Geller. And Clea, oddly enough, in this moment is this marble like I don't know what I'm talking about it's not even a baby Jennifer Tilly it's it's I, I just have a little bit of a mush mouth I don't know it's something weird oh when
1: she reveals to him that she watches the games exactly. and stuff like that yeah she's and, like I'm not who you think I am yeah, yeah.
0: And, and it's funny because I compared that to now with Paris Hilton and Kim K with the vocal fry it's hey, uh, like uh, yeah interesting as we're talking about aliens communicating with each other <laughs>
1: No, that is fascinating, and of course, Britney was forced to sing in a baby voice mm-hmm. for her career. So um, yeah, 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 they yeah. Wanted, So the whole thing, people who don't know this, is we're celebrating Britney and her memoir. Um, Britney originally had a voice; she had a really, really good voice. But they thought she sounded too similar to Christina Aguilera, and so her handlers who really has a voice. Really has a voice. Her handlers are like, "No, you got to be different from Christina because mm. they were, you know, they're coming out at the same time, and they, you know." competing you know they always pit women against each other there's room for both anyway <laughs> so they 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 manufactured that ba- the her talking in the baby voice because they wanted to have that like sexy schoolgirl forbidden fruit too young for creepy yes. thing right and so in her as she grew up you know she was getting more mature and try and which I think is brilliant like when she's getting a little bit away from her uh, mickey mouse club persona Mm -hmm. that she wanted to do more adult sexy singing not a
0: girl not yet a woman
1: exactly she really wanted to dig into these themes they still wanted her to keep the the signature baby boy so it's a forced thing that she didn't want to do so after this we get the right we go into the john stewart reveal like No,
0: no uh so and there's also a teacher in here that reminded me of you. I mean, oh. in, in the early parts, he's just, he's clearly hungover and drinking coffee. And remember the jock raises his hand. And he's like trying to be a smart East student. he said, yeah, whatever. He's just, <laughs> he's not in the mood. He
1: gets zero fucks. <laughs> this is the history teacher, right? Yes. Yes. yes.
0: yes. With the Donald Sutherland vibe referencing yes. to the remake of yes. Body Snatchers. Yes. The, when he goes, And wha- he's, he's the boozer, right? He has he's, this little yeah. flask. Okay. That's yes. what reminds me of
1: you. Oh, the flask.
0: And, uh. Then he comes in all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We know he's a pod person. and he, he gives an assignment to make your family tree, to make your lineage. We want your names, your family members, your DNA. It's 23 and me, baby. We want your data.
1: <laughs> yes, and this is, when I paused, I thought, okay, what is this movie really about? And maybe we can link it all the way back to, to, to the body snatchers and puppet masters. And there's this sense, you know, this movie has a high school setting about controlling the education of teenagers and controlling people's minds. And of course, body snatchers and puppet masters are very much Cold War allegories where like, there was this fear of the communists taking over, Russia taking over, and making everyone think the same and think like them. And you know, opposing capitalism, which what upholds individualism. And so this movie and these movies that are about plot people, they're really about the invasion of the Soviet Union mm. into American culture and so and
0: how funny how things change yet remain the same exactly right exactly
1: because it was like okay so this is all about freedom of thought so these people are, the, the, the kids are stuck in their stereotypes and then they reveal to us that they're more than their stereotype like Josh Hartnett is like I'm not just the loser who sells drugs I'm also like a scientist And I'm Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. What
0: I love about that character, he's a bad boy, but he has book smarts and street smarts. That's totally my type. That's my type.
1: Exactly. So, and again, there's that conflict between the the faculty or the people who are instructing them, their their teachers, trying to make them into one consciousness, which is the whole idea of of this alien being. It's one alien being.
0: I also read it it as the the boomers are trying to really conform Gen X like, it's just a very well, generational be, divide. Well,
1: this is where I was going because the the boomers were, you know, the the hippies in the 60s that then become the conservatives for Reagan. Mm-hmm. And so this movie being in the 90s, which is like Clinton era, and the kids are like, you know, rebelling. asserting, they're rebelling, they're asserting the individuality, there's goth culture. Some
0: fucking good music.
1: Everyone's like, I'm doing it for myself. There's a lot of, you know, like Jordana's like she has her career-driven yeah. ambitions, and so it's an era of strong individualism and high economy and strong capitalism. So then we bring back this, like, you know, fear of communism, which is not really kind of happening at this point in, in, in uh, historically in terms of the world. It kind of reminded me of this thing that's happening right now, where states like Florida and others are banning certain books that rewrite American history through the lens of critical race theory Mm -hmm. and through reparations and all this stuff. And you witnessed this firsthand mm -hmm.
0: as a teacher, as a faculty member yourself and 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 as a minority.
1: Exactly. And and, and
0: I couldn't imagine being in your shoes. That sounds just so scary.
1: So there was an element where like, oh, okay, so this, there's this this movie is so much about education and asserting yourself as a person, uh, differentiating yourself as an individual against the stereotypes and against society I was like, maybe this is less about Soviet Union, more about these kind of assimilations happening within American culture through mm-hmm. conservatism and through, of course, Trumpism, which we have right now. I went down I went that, that route in this I very know. not deep movie. I was thinking that, <laughs> too.
0: I mean, my next note is Clea's amazing um, burn of fuck you, titbags.
1: <laughs> That's where I was. So it's kind of interesting that these 90s movies were very much on the surface and and, and
0: they're still they're lazily commenting on the culture
1: exactly but they're but they're all like mirrors you know and meta and not very realistic at all like we said right
0: um, uh, so also at this point and and to go with what you're saying so we we start seeing shifts and changes like physically the the characters start kind of changing their looks a little bit or their behaviors yes. and if this was if this were a smarter movie it would be to psych you out to think that, oh, are they an alien yet? It mm-hmm. With better writing or editing Which even. they do
1: bring up in, the, in the, later. the sequence, with the thing sequence. But they should on, have yeah. done this
0: now. We, we should have had suspicion now of, are you the same person or are you an alien? Are you a pod person? Because the I teachers are pod people. What are you? It should have started a little bit earlier. Yeah. So, didn't. you
1: know, we pointed out that flaw in the script where they, when they really think that the the principal is the main queen bee or the main queen pod person. hmm and we're like we know she's not because we saw her we saw her being turn attacked. we know
0: she's not the queen
1: yeah we know, we saw her being killed by um piper so it was like piper would have been a better piper red piper uh, yeah yeah and so it was like oh that's a missed opportunity because we know that piper was already a potter woman she could have been a she could have been the shadow that came upon robert patrick in that in that opening sequence that's true so Missed opportunity, lazy screenwriting, spank Uh, you, spank you, Kevin.
0: So we're playing with the dynamics of a character shifting and Jordana all of a sudden starts wearing glasses and a ponytail. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? It's the quintessential (laughs) I'm an ugly girl. I'm a hot girl trying to be normal and ugly. (laughs) No, like she's all that. Remember, like you wear overalls and glasses and have your hair in a ponytail if you're depicted to be like a poor, ugly girl in the 90s it is a oh, really funny stereotype so bizarre and jordana is gorgeous and she just looks like a hot librarian instead so she's parading around looking like this and just made me laugh so hard but also and it,
1: interestingly enough since i had a commentary i was like oh this movie is so white and the minorities are relegated to the to the fringes but jordana is actually half brazilian and was born in panama yeah which is kind of interesting and she has that joke i was like oh and i'm portuguese but she's not really portuguese she's brazilian which you know <laughs> but it's like, oh, she's actually a minority actress in this movie, but yeah. she doesn't assert that she That's plays true. a white person just like Salma. So yeah. problematic.
0: And um uh, and also so we have Mary Beth and, and Josh Hartnett, they're kind of flirting with their dynamic. That's where Josh reveals uh, he goes to the science lab to make his secret stash. Yes. And and she and he tells has him Breaking Bad Lab. Yes, and his, <laughs> his amazing lab, like his Frankenstein's <laughs> setup. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, but he, he offers her the drugs, and she she tells him to his face, Oh, that would kill me. Because, you know, it's a diuretic. Whatever the hell's in that is going to dry you out. And she knows.
1: She knows. So, you know, so you're going to give it a little way. A little, it's a little too obvious, right?
0: And and also, I want to comment on his clothing in this because that was the '90s uniform. What Josh Hartnett wore? Yes. Did they wear this? I mean, I know that you went to a, a all-boys school.
1: We had uniforms, but this look was the thing when we were not in school. Okay, yeah. it is
0: the quintessential '90s boy. You wear a long-sleeve white shirt under a t-shirt and yes. the baggy jeans. Yes, and yeah, but I think James Marsden to this day still rocks that staple. <laughs> He's a brilliant comedic actor. I love him.
1: So, anyways, they go to the school to confront, to see, to, to, oh, yes, because then they're going to go find the little sushi dory from Nemo Mm -hmm. thing that's floating and duplicating in the fish tank. When they arrive there, it's not there. And this is when Jon Stewart comes out. And we're like, is he, isn't he, he got bitten earlier. And they finally reveal, they realize that he is one of the pot people.
0: Yeah, because they do the stoic close-up of him yes and then uh, he
1: like closes the door and draws the shade and just turns like, oh, it around you think i'm a
0: bad person do you let's talk about this some more. and then this really is our first epic battle scene i know we mm. had bb get stabbed and all that stuff but no this is an epic battle scene josh Hartnett and oh the my god paper cutter the, as a yes. machete
1: <laughs> that was that's a robert rodriguez moment that right cool. there. That's cool that's really fucking awesome I'm like yes
0: and he slices off his fingers and
1: then they go crawling away like the little
0: cockroaches
1: and more sushi sushi fingers
0: <laughs> and that is when Josh stabs him in the eye with his angel dust pin yes and, and that then. and through the baking soda vinegar effect he sizzles out
1: exactly which is a little bit of an evil Dead reference and right too oh that's wrong so then they finally figure out how to kill the pot people
0: so it's confirmed. There's real life aliens running amok in this school, so all the the Breakfast Club gang they make an escape route to the parking lot, and they slowly go. Oh yeah, the slow walkout,
1: the yeah. slow, slow motion walkout, and they're, clocking, walk out and they're, they're like looking. People. Everyone's an alien. Yeah. Who's an alien? Who's not? Yeah,
0: and we have Summer Phoenix, who is the original like "fuck you" girl. That's actually her credit. It's <laughs> "fuck you" girl. <laughs> She's beating up her boyfriend the entire time. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, once she, she becomes docile, once she takes a Xanax and is all lovey-dovey with this guy, we know that she's a pod person. Exactly. And sure enough, that's, and that's when
1: this is what revealed.
0: So, um So most of the students, because they've been called to Nurse Salma's office, have become pod people. So they're trying to make a stealthy escape. And that's when shithead Danny Masterson and his croony comes up and they try to buy all the drugs off of Josh. Exactly,
1: and then he gives them most of the trucks and he, gives, he keeps like He keeps like a few pens just to yeah.
0: get him off his, his case so they so, can make a clean break.
1: So when they now know that it is the angel dust pens that kill the pop people, they have to go make more, and they go back and regroup at Josh Hartnett's Breaking Bad lair. And this is when the homage to the most famous sequence from John Carpenter's The Thing happens, Where they all have to figure out, are you a pop person? Are you a pop person? Who are you really? Why have you changed? And so this whole development in the movie where the characters are revealing themselves as different people. Like Clea's not a lesbian. She's really like a football fan. And she loves Shan Hattacy. And Shan Hattacy's not really a jock. He wants to be an artist. And everyone's not who they They seem to be. They all come out of the fucking closet. And so they're all, of course, suspicious of each other. Because they've changed through the movie, and so now they have to test it out. Everyone has to take the drug into their noses. And in an homage to that sequence in this thing, um, they do. Um, there's a fake out because Mary Beth, of course, as we find out later, has faked that she has, she's, you know, I'm allergic, I'm allergic. And so she does it anyway. And then she, like, actually, like, pretends to be drugged. Yeah. As they walk out, the the movie doesn't make a big deal about it, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a smart choice, because they make it so obvious that it's her. It's her. Um, But Jordana, Jordana, whenever she does it, it's
0: a big, it's it's a redirect. So all the attention's on her. So it does make sense. But, oh, I do want to say, I really enjoyed that you brought up Blue Velvet earlier, because I didn't get that from before, when they were in the slats, like, in the closet and looking at that. I got it. Then I wrote in my notes of their interpretation of doing drugs, which Josh says, "Oh, it's caffeine pills and household cleaner. Like that's all it is." And these little big pens, Elijah Wood just starts laughing maniacally. He has a <laughs> giggle fit. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like what a seven year old would think what taking drugs is. And I wrote that it was like Dennis Hopper oh. and Blue Velvet. They're just high on laughing gas. I'm just like, ah, I think that would be a very different. So they're all laughing. Jordana freaks out. The attention's diverted to her. We don't see little Mary Beth not sniff the drugs. So then Jordana busts through the glass. There's a lot of glass breaking. Pretty cool looking. Busts up the Frankenstein Pinkman lab. Busts through the door. Just like
1: (laughs) Robert Patrick before her, she flips the table on its head.
0: (laughs) So it's been established that they break down that there, there's a parasite that controls the host they come to the classic sci-fi conclusion there's a queen we must kill it exactly. they just This is, there of
1: course an alien reference right mm-hmm. sigourney weaver must find the queen alien and then ends
0: and we have another clea explaining body snatchers yes. another moment where she says hey you know body snatchers you lose your emotions non-independent thought so we get more repetition but not in a creative way
1: and finally, so they decide, okay, so where is this queen bee going to be? And they're like, well, let's go to the football game. Um, and that uh, awesome, another brick in the wall um, yeah. cover sequence happens, which is really spectacular. we get more spectacular shots with the hilariously underrated Robert Patrick. <laughs> this time with fireworks behind him. Oh, yeah. That was a great <laughs> shot. Loved him I in did this like movie. that. And of course, they immediately go and they immediately think that the principal is the queen bee because you know she's the head of the faculty mm-hmm. but of course we are this is about, this yeah, a little it should have been piper bee, it should have been piper because we as audience already we're ahead of the characters we know it's not her so they're just wasting their time and we're just waiting for them to find out that it's not her so, so this sequence kind of has devoid of suspense yeah. so, so bb
0: walks in and they have this moment and also i want to point out she does this kind of bob Fosse dance walk she like oh. does that jazz thing where she's like ankle in front of the ankle as she saunters in it's just it's a little i mean a campy of course it campy. but it's bb we're like in right? silk stockings <laughs> this is crazy so they have this are you the queen yada yada josh shoots her in the head and they feel bad like they made a mistake she comes to life and we see that she's an alien and then they pour the drug on her yay it works
1: And, of course, Maybeth puts a little bit too much of that powder. Hint, hint, who's the real killer in this. Wasting that stuff. And then we get yet another Thirsty Bitches sequence starring Patrick (laughs) Stewart.
0: I would love Patrick Stewart in the rain.
1: Okay. And then we get another fabulous Thirsty Bitches commercial starring Robert Patrick where he's like... the. Um, ingesting the rain with his football team. Oh yeah, it's a
0: Rihanna video. Yeah, and it's and umbrella. It's like, All these Ella, everybody Ella, uh, uh. Everybody's standing. Like the football players are standing, getting the rain. And Robert Patrick has his face up, and we see the kind of the alien teeth yes. and activity. That was us yesterday. We were so hungover. We're just like water. <laughs> I felt for them. I was with them
1: in that moment. And of course, we don't know if Shauna Hattori has, has become converted. To the pod people. So when he comes back, there's yet another through the glass.
0: Through the glass. Are you an alien? <laughs> You've been acting weird lately. Uh, Like, a take the A replay
1: of the Piper Laurie B.B. earth yes. scene from earlier. And, of course, the same thing happens again. He is an alien. He's an alien. And he wastes the last angel dust that they had.
0: This was a little bit too uh, repetitious for me of come join the cult. It will make you not feel pain. Mm-hmm. Like, that happened with... It happened every other beat. So the jock is telling Clea that, like, be with me and you'll be one of us and yada yada. And that goes with Mary Beth and Clea and I just I got so bored with that.
1: Yeah, and I think there's there's of course they they, they hammer over that theme of um, no fear, no pain and I'm almost like is it like on recruitment? Like, I just went there. I was like, this is a. Bo- come it has come conspiracy into our crazy fr- theories, yeah. for sure. Come join our crazy way of thinking, and we all think the same. But the
0: thing is, like, it, it's such a double edged sword because I feel like we do not have enough independent thought. And then we have people that go to the other end of the spectrum, and they just will take one little detail and run without fact checking or doing their own work. Yes. So. I I was a little bit more sensitive this time around to cult that, mentality cult, recruitment yes. and and nobody being able to think for themselves
1: exactly and of course this is leading up to the reveal that oh, surprise surprise Mary Beth is the queen bee alien because she came from the south
0: <laughs> she's <laughs> Dean.
1: exactly and her bangs um, <laughs> and so she tries to have this like you know Scientology recruitment moment yet again with Cleo Duval and the Benches, And mm-hmm. she's like, come join me. You're different. I'm different. I'm tired of hiding. She comes and out she of the reveals, closet. she reveals and she herself. she reveals her tentacles. And this moment kind of reminded me of um, that sequence. Again, Nightmare on Upstreet 4 was coming for me. Hmm. When Debbie, remember Debbie, the one that works out and she becomes a cockroach? Oh, yeah. Oh, tentacles. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So this moment kind of was to me was a throwback to that. And of course, the Natasha Henstridge of it all which continues in this sequence since she's the alien and she's this beautiful blonde woman. She's naked. um, And and she's swimming
0: in this gorgeous Olympic-sized swimming pool. Again, are we sure this is a public school? (laughs) I have never (laughs) been to a school like that. It was ridiculous. So yeah, she's the big monster and then she that cool shot that she comes from being this big swamp thing to this beautiful, svelte, naked girl just kind of cruising around. With the shadowy
1: tentacles Mm -hmm. around her. It It was actually really cool. And again, it was giving me cat people vibe so cat people yeah is this is really 1940s horror film um that i think this movie kind of this one is a smart reference i think and so Mary Beth, as a villain as a monster as the quimby alien is an amalgamation of all these different uh, movie references and she's a lovecraftian figure which is kind of interesting right mm-hmm. with her tentacles all right and coming from another world Lovecraftian
0: is she is she Chulu? Is that what it is?
1: She's Zulu.
0: Zulu. So she's Zulu with sun in.
1: Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Got it. In this reveal that Mary Beth is the alien, we have a um, an amalgamation of not only Lovecraftian creature with tentacles, the 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 giant cockroach from I am on the street four. Species Natasha Henstridge is the beautiful alien that seduces everyone, but also cat people, which is also this seductive woman that becomes a cat, right? And it's killing people and murdering people everywhere. And the pool sequence in particular, which is one of the the iconic sequences in the movie, cat people, go check it out. They use a lot of shadows. Um, to create suspense, and again, that shadowy moment in the locker room is very much at a
0: Also, at this point, so we have that segment going on. I wrote down that this final act, it's a sexual showdown. Mm -hmm. So there are just showdowns after showdowns happening in this. We have Jordana and... Jordana? Jordana? We have Jordana and Elijah showing down on the school bus. Yes. She's kind of, you know, being powerful to him. They're like, hey, little boy, you know you want me kind of thing. And then same goes for Pomka and Josh. What?
1: Well, before you move on from the bus, that's another Nightmare on the Street 2 reference. But in the oh, Nightmare on yeah. Street 2 is the opening. It's Freddy Krueger taunting little Jesse and his, his gay way. So it's like, so there's a sexual thing and, it's, and then when you go back and watch the Nightmare on the Street. So he's, you know, is this actually Kevin pulling out those gay themes from Nightmare on 2 and right. they're making it hetero in this sequence which is interesting. And also
0: I had nightmares about um, Freddy and the school bus because there were so many Freddy driving the school bus kind of moments in that entire franchise and I used to have some nightmares about Freddy Krueger that's driving the bus.
1: One of the most terrifying sequences in the franchise and in that movie.
0: So FAMCA comes and we're, woo, it's, it's giving me uncomfortable but hot vibes. The first time this happened where he was kind of intimidating her and she's just so cartoonishly meek. Um, it made me uncomfortable and then when she uh, she confronts him in the, the midpoint of the movie and again really great one liners of like oh you little dickless boy I'm going to shove my butt so far up your ass that you're going to be sucking my toes until next year <laughs> I mean that is bomb um, and so now she comes cruising up with her tiny tiny bangs And she's like, hey, big boy, and comes up to the car. And they kind of have this very flirtatious, sexy thing. And then she just jumps in the car. We get good old Robert Rodriguez death proof driving sequence fucking awesome and you know, their dialogue is tantalizing she's like oh you're so tense and mm, do you have anything tasty I mean it is just woo. <laughs> and so they get in this high speed sequence where he's driving she's attacking him he does the classic I'm gonna ram into the Freddy Krueger school bus I'm gonna snap my seatbelt and she's gonna go plowing through the windshield and you looked at me you said oh my god is that stunt woman okay that looked oh, too der- real that looked rough
1: for the stunt woman she was bouncing off this. oh yeah my I Lord. hope she's okay <laughs>
0: We should follow up. <laughs> we'll send her some flowers.
1: And of course, this leads to the final confrontation between our, la- our final three survivors, Clea, Elijah, and Josh Hartnett in the bleachers setting. Mm-hmm. And of course, it is revealed that Clea is also infested. Oh. But of course, Elijah locks her in this cage.
0: Into the equipment where they stored the jock straps.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Just <laughs> killing this poor lesbian actress.
1: But also, I think he's trying to say, oh, sister, so he has hopes of saving her because, you know, if they yes. kill the Queen Bee, everyone's it's okay. Ruined. So he believes in the movie logic of everything. Yes. Right?
0: So we should clarify, Elijah is running around. Elijah is not a pod person at this time. He knows it's Mary Beth. Um, Clea is locked up in the, the jockstrap cage. And Josh Hartnett runs into him. And he's just like everywhere I turn, somebody is a pod person. So you got to do some drugs. Elijah does the drugs. He's,
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> he's just not happy about it. This time he doesn't laugh like Steve Martin and Little Shop of Horrors. Now he's he's okay. He just does it and says, "Hey, are you happy?" Whatever. So they are conf- they are confirmed to be human people. It's this alliance against Mary Beth the alien. So they're running around. We see them lose each other at one point, and then we see Josh Hartnett flying over the lockers. <laughs> this girl tossed him. <laughs>
1: Um, and of course this leads to um, oh uh, so
0: so. he's bleeding out, he's like bleeding out Josh Hartnett is seriously uh, hurt and Elijah takes off and this is the moment that I didn't really remember the first time I saw it but now I'm so happy that, that we have a final boy
1: yes it's our final boy he's our final boy just like in Nightmare on Elf Street 2 is the only other movie that had a final boy at this point. I like it. And so he's the Heather Langenkamp to this movie mm-hmm. and decides to devise the trap to kill the alien queen, Mary Beth, behind the bleachers. Behind
0: the bleachers, baby. Which is kind of
1: like a really fun booby trap uh Thing I, I really enjoyed that about it when he like they start closing in. And yeah, it was a cool after. visual
0: effect and also made sense. It could happen because these bleachers are heavy and they squash into each other. Again, this is movie high school. I, I feel like my high school didn't have, didn't have that. Have these massive
1: spaces. <laughs> no, we
0: we probably had just some some IKEA cardboard benches or some shit. But. Um, and also what I really like about this bleachers movie, I don't know why. Every single time I see high school bleachers, I think of Heathers. And, hmm. yeah, the the end scene in Heathers. It just brings me there to this happy 80s comedy, dark comedy resting place. Um, and also, to keep with the, the horniness of this movie, where do you go in the 80s movies and the 90s movies to make out? You behind go under the behind the bleachers, baby. <laughs> That's where you go. Um, so, the alien's chasing Elijah. He crawls under the bleachers. He presses the button. The bleachers retract and trap the creature, squishing her. But right before he squishes her, they have the alien Sigourney moment face to face. And she sprays her little backwash on his face. And then some
1: little sushi things the are little... on his face.
0: <laughs> it's going to make me not want sushi after this. It's going to make me like vegetarian now. Um, so, yeah, but so the slugs are all over his face and with four druggy pins stabs her in the eye that does the trick and then the things fall out of his face which was kind of revolting we both went it Ew. was really
1: gross yeah and then we have to see it again all over again when he goes rescue um, little Miss Clea yeah when she's j- the
0: alien check like you good you good you okay you're an alien
1: yes and of course one last jump scare with Josh Harnett being alive after being thrown over the cliff yeah he jumps to the, the bleachers the gate <laughs> scares
0: the shit out of everybody so then we get our title card one month later.
1: Yes, which I forgot about. I'm like, okay, here we go. A coda, epilogue.
0: So Josh and his May December romance is continuing. He's now playing football, kind of like Breakfast Club, Bender.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, Dustin Hoffman and The Graduate. Oh, yes. Right, and Mrs. She's, Robinson. She's just
0: just bookishly waving and I don't know. It's kind of strange. I I thought
1: it was interesting that, that Josh Hartnett and Sean Hadassi kind of switch roles, Mm -hmm. right? So he becomes a jock and then Sean Hadassi kind of becomes the outsider.
0: Yeah. And they're palling around and he's walking around with Clea. And then I hate that. I hate this motif uh, that she changes her hair. She has different colored hair. She's wearing an ugly purple cardigan. It's the sandy and grease element. I, I really don't like the physical of. Oh, I've changed. Just so, I don't know. I hate it. Yeah, I, it no, bothers me. It's goth, just,
1: goth, people all over the world. They're should not going to go to <Crew,
0: crew next week. There's no for goth presentation. No.
1: <laughs> and of course, and then we end up with the th- three new couples, and the final one is um, Elijah and Jordana.
0: So Jordana and Elijah make out, and it kind of has that. That feeling, of yeah, she's kissing the, her brother, there's just kind of no chemistry so the, there. I don't like the, the, the couples weird, that ended up together. The, I do the couples, like the Josh and Famco, like, mm, uh <laughs> huh.
1: But the, yeah, the reset of the couples is kind of like that criticism where horror movies kind of bring back the status quo at the end of the movie, and like
0: we're just wrapped up in a tiny little bow.
1: Like all the fun people that make the the rebels are squashed. So like Josh Harner, the bad boy. I don't want
0: Josh to play football.
1: He like, was doing you know, science Jesse and being becomes, badass and
0: driving his car. Come on, and
1: Jesse Pinkman becomes like an insurance you know, agent. Blues. <laughs> there was a very strong white hetero lens at the end.
0: Yeah, I didn't like Claire's. Like
1: this is white people yeah. and their couples and all difference has been eliminated All rebellion has been squashed so it's like it's an ironic ending did the pot people really win mm. is everyone just like the same now right so I don't know let me I actually questions. I really
0: enjoy that perspective because yes they have the feeling of free will but alas they've conformed
1: to white heterosexual society there's yeah. no queer people at the end <laughs> there's no goth people there's no it's Jesse Pinkman's <laughs> It's all like, oh, you're all in a couple. There's a bunch of people we'd see at the mall. Yeah. Which young people, the mall
0: used to exist in the yes. 90s. There was a Hot, Hot Topic. topic. <laughs> I was like, there was a Spencer's. <laughs> there was a sharper image that you would just go in and play with weird things and go, who buys this shit? <laughs> so just a few factoids. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Don't choke at your wine. Oh, my God. Ooh, sorry. Okay. I got the
1: giggles. <laughs>
0: Did, did you do some <laughs> caffeine I powder and some <laughs> Myers dish soap? <laughs> uh, some factoids about this movie. Um, Tommy Hilfiger sponsored this. He, he gave product. Oh. He gave product interesting. to the costume department. And uh, they they also negotiated they'd have to be in an ad or something. I can't remember if it was a print or a television commercial, but that was negotiated in the contracts.
1: Oh, wow. Right?
0: Reading a few reviews about this movie, there were some fun <laughs> mishmash words back in the day. This Remember back in the day in like the early 2000s when Entertainment Weekly was the end-all, be-all yes. of reviewing? And now we, we turn to Hollywood Reporter and Variety. And I'm sorry, if you read Deadline, Deadline has a typo in the headlines every other day. They misspelled San Francisco last <laughs> week. Twice. Wow. <laughs> so um, Entertainment Weekly was the thing to read whenever you're reading movie reviews and i've read so many fun words that these reviewers would come up with they would call it a uh, teamploitation
1: oh. and they was a
0: cinematic cocktail <laughs> just a mishmash <laughs> of words uh but anyways this was a really really fun again we made it deeper than what it was but it was a fun romp i really enjoyed watching this with you
1: yeah and i think i think it's, it's a movie of its time great soundtrack it's a cult classic it's an example a great example of what 90s movies were like all movies were like this in Mm -hmm. the late 90s second half um
0: made me want to bust out a wallet chain on some airwalks
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you know and stock up on water bottles Yeah,
0: (laughs) I mean, good thing this movie did not take place in uh, Michigan, in Flint. (laughs) Those aliens would have been dead before they showed up. (laughs) Um, So, hey, streamers and screamers.
1: Streamers and screamers. I think a really
0: fun tie-in, guys. This just happened organically. We were watching The Fall of the House of Usher, Usher, Usher.
1: Yes. (laughs) And coincidentally, when I told a friend of mine the other day, I was like, oh, I've been been watching The Fall of the House of Usher by Mike Flanagan on Netflix. And he, like, stopped for a second. He's like, oh. And then, you know, the Poe adaptation. And he was like, for a second there, I really thought you were talking about some sort of, like, docu-series on Usher (laughs) and the fall of his brand. And him being accused you know, of I can something. Im- I can imagine <laughs> this
0: guy just stopping and going, oh my God, the guy who's saying, yeah, he's Army Hammer. He because <laughs> everybody's just getting ex- exposed these days. And it's, it's really like, funny. Has fall. Usher been
1: canceled? Did I not know? Did I miss the memo? He had like his face dropped. Oh. I guess he's a fan. I guess he's a fan. So it's like, no, Osher, like oh. Roderick Osher, Edgar Allan Poe, the Telltale Heart, all that jazz. And he was like, okay, Usher's okay. I'm like, I think so. I don't know. I don't know uh, what he's doing these days, but I hope he's okay.
0: Uh, for this television series, one, Mike Flanagan, he is a Stephen King purist. He is fantastic with his adaptations. I will say, I, you and I are different in this realm. Yes. I loved Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. I did not like Bly Manor, and I could not finish Midnight Mass.
1: But did you watch the Midnight Club no, I didn't. With Heather Langenkamp. That was really good. And it was No, I didn't see that oh, one. I see that. Oh, I highly recommend it. It's the one. Be, but I was saying that's not the last one. Yeah. It was it was Midnight Club. Well, which so sounds it sounds very similar to Midnight Mask. So right <laughs> right
0: now he is a little bit more than uh, favorable with me because of Haunting of Hill House and Doctor Sleep. And yes. and even <laughs> Gerald's game is its own thing. Oh, I love Gerald's game. I like it too. It's cozy. And it's it's such a good
1: adaptation of that book. Yeah.
0: And um, Um, without any spoilers, if you are wanting to watch The Fall of House of Usher, I. Highly recommend it because it is that magic. He's working with the right people. The cast is fantastic. The acting is gripping. But more than anything, the writing. There was a monologue yes. in the last episode that I was standing in my room clapping because it was so eloquently performed.
1: And of course, this is fabulously played by the wonderful Mary McDonald, who you know from Dances with Wolves, Battlestar Galactica, and the mom of crazy ass Emma Roberts in Scream 4 comes back we love her but also shout out to keely sanchez who co-wrote this final episode with mike flanagan and it was her writing debut and Uh, we know her from from kingdom kingdom
0: if you guys have not seen kingdom with little baby jonas
1: yes and
0: jonathan tucker and 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 keely sanchez it's a gripping series and i'm sure it's streaming somewhere it's amazing so that's our streamer and for our screamer
1: the last movie that we saw was Kenneth Branagh's third movie in his Agatha Christie trilogy, um, A Haunting in Venice, which is an adaptation of Halloween Party, a very lesser-known novel Agatha
0: Christie, by
1: maybe? Agatha Christie. And we thought it was amazing and wonderful and probably my favorite of the three.
0: It's a good time for these gothic-lit authors. Don't look at me like that. It's a good time for these gothic-lit art. It's a good... <laughs> shut up.
1: So if you've seen his you know, bombastic adaptations of Death on the Nile... And uh, Murder on the Orient Express. This is a little different. Is this really, is really, this is yeah. m- scary. It's moody. I liked it's it way better than Murder on Orient Express. And and you're in for a treat. And it's not scary. It's moody. It's moody. So if
0: you if you have a friend, because I know everybody that listens to this podcast, you guys are into all different depths of horror. But if you have a friend that is horror curious, it's a nice moody one. Yes, the shots are really interesting.
1: Yeah, so he he the the lighting, the shots, the way he he uses that like one house in Venice. Of course, we have Michelle Yeoh, fresh off her Oscar win, mm-hmm. playing a fucking psychic running a, a seance. Oh yeah, and um, Tina Fey kind of making a yeah. S-
0: Tina Fey plays like the Agatha Christie yes. character, which is fun casting.
1: Kenneth Branagh and his is mustache. The <laughs> he, his mustache, I think, had his own billing. That mustache is a. Sort
0: of, different contract
1: so what do we learn from revisiting robert rodriguez's 1988 camp classic the faculty don't cut your own hair (laughs) listen to your producers
0: and stay hydrated bye